Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Levis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we're creating that new future. Today, I'd like to welcome Oakland McCullough. Oakland is the founder of Your Leadership Legacy. After 23 years as an Army officer, Lieutenant Colonel Oak McCullough retired. He has held leadership positions in some capacity for over 40 years. During his career, he held numerous teaching positions and has had several operational deployments. Published his first book in February of 2021 titled Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. In addition to coaching and writing, he is also speaking on leadership. Oak is committed to coaching, teaching, and emphasizing servant leadership. Welcome, Oak. How are you today? Well, thank you, Jane. I'm doing very well, and I'm and I'm very happy that you decided to have me on your show. I, I'm very honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you for for joining me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So, you know, I I just have to say, retired lieutenant colonel in the army, servant leadership, and we normally think of leaders in the military as command and control. Right. Most people think of it as authoritarian leadership. And, and, yeah. and believe me, there are plenty in there that are that way. And and I hated working for every one of them. Um, but but there are plenty of people who, who are like me, who believe that it, it's about servant leadership. And I always tell, you know, we, my day job here, I, I recruit for Army ROTC. So I'm commissioning second lieutenants in the United States Army. That's my job. And every day, every time we commission a group, I tell them, I give them a little speech and I tell them, look, enjoy today, celebrate today, because the day is all about you. You've done a great thing. You've been commissioned as an officer in the United States Army. Very small number of people get to do that. I said, but tomorrow morning, after we've pinned those bars on your shoulder and you get to celebrate all night tonight, tomorrow morning when you wake up, it will never, ever be about you ever again. It's about your soldiers, the people who work for you. It's about your organization, the people you work for. And then if we have time, we might talk about you. But it's about those things first. And I, and I really believe that. And I get people who all the time say, well, Oak, when you talk about servant leadership, you're, you just let people walk all over you. Uh, you've known me for about five minutes now. You think I'm letting people walk all over me? I don't think so. That's not what servant leadership is about. So servant leadership means you are going to have to make people do things they don't want to do because it's in their best interest and it's in the best interest of the organization, not your best interest, maybe, but in theirs. And so, you know, you got to understand really what servant leadership is. So, um, so that's, that's my philosophy. And I, I, I've, and I, the best leaders I ever worked for in the army were servant leaders. And that's why I kind of developed that way. And that's why I believe it 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we tend to emulate those people that we really, that, that support actually support us and build us up. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And you know, it, it's, it really is because, because I have had, I've had those, those guys who were very authoritarian, do it my way, only my way, you know, and here's, here's the problem is that those type of people generally tend to be micromanagers because they're so afraid that you're going to make a mistake and mess up their career because it's all about them and it's their next promotion and their next job 
And so they want to make sure everything's perfect. So they become micromanagers, which then stifles all creativity in your organization, every bit of it. Because if you're micromanaging me and you're going to yell at me if I make a mistake, then I'm not going to do anything until you tell me exactly what to do. So wh- why would I? Right. So, so I mean, what what a horrible way to, to, to lead people. I, I just can't imagine why somebody would want to do it that way. And you've either got to be pushing them or pulling them. That's right. Because you're not motivating them. Exactly. They're not going to do anything. Like you said, they're not going to do anything on your own on their own. They're, they're going to wait. Or if they do, it's going to be very small steps because they're not going to get very far. They're not going to take any risks. That's right. Do exactly what they know that they did last time that you said was okay. That's right. But you know, and I, and I had a boss who, who uh, eventually retired a four-star general. So he's obviously way smarter than me and, and which is not hard by the way, but he, uh, he used to say, Oak on the scale of leadership, You've got on this end, you've got micromanagers who want to manage every single thing every day of every every second of every day. And then on this end, you've got chaos, Attila the Hun. He said, you want to be as close to chaos as you can get, as close as you feel comfortable being there. And he said, and the way you get there, the way you get further that way is that you give away your authority. So you can never give away responsibility. As the leader, you are always responsible for everything you're organization does or does not do, but you can give away authority. And so, and that's, and, and so I, I remembered that and I've used that all my life, my adult life as a, uh, as a, as an officer, as a leader, I try to give away as much authority as I can. So to get away from that micromanaging, I'll throw out there. And I say, I always tell people, I use what, what I call objectives and guideposts. I'll throw out the objective, what I want it to look like in the end. I don't care how you get there. And I'll give you left and right limits that you have to stay within. This is how much money you can spend. These are the resources you can use. These are the people you can use. And then I get away and let them do it. And, and it's amazing what they come up with. Did they do it the way I would have done it? Absolutely not. Does it matter? Absolutely not. As long as they give me what I asked for, I don't care how they got there. Exactly. It's So my definition of leadership is that leadership is empowering a group of individuals to accomplish a vision. So Absolutely. to do that, like you said, you have to give them object- objectives. You have to tell them what it is that you want and what it looks like, what's, what it's going to, you know, what that finish is going to be. So they know what the finish is. That's right. That's right. And then you have to empower them to go do it. And stay out of their way. Yeah. That's so, so important. It really is. <laughs> and, and, and leaders today just don't get it. They really don't. A lot of them don't. I'm not saying everybody, because there are certainly some good, great leaders out there, but a lot of leaders have, we, we have forgot, we have forgotten what it's, what it means to be a servant leader a lot in this country. And, and we can just look across the board. And I mean, in all facets of life, politics, the military, universities, you name it, you can find people who, who are leaders for the wrong reason, in my opinion. And what do you think in your, you know, what are your thoughts as to, to the barrier, you know, what's stopping leaders from moving into servant leadership or any kind of empowering leadership? I think, I think the number one thing that prevents them from doing it is fear, fear of failure. And sometimes, believe it or not, some people just have a fear of success, I guess. I don't know, but, but I think the number one thing is fear because I think people are so, so focused because they're, they're in there for the wrong reason. They're in there for themselves. They are so focused on making sure everything happens right that they 
they get they feel they have to be involved in everything that's going on. You know, and and what I always tell those people, especially the ones who I have worked for me and I see them going down that road, I always tell them, look, if you take care of the people in your organization and you try to make your organization the best it can be, not worry about you, the people and the organization, guess what? They're going to make you look good. <laughs> there's, there's the thing. That's the thing that just amazes me is that they're going to make you look good. And, and are they going to make mistakes? Absolutely. We all make mistakes. There is nobody in this world who is perfect. I keep trying to convince my wife that I am, but she's not buying it. <laughs> so there are no perfect people in this world. And you've got to understand as the leader, this is, this is how I've always approached that. Because if you're going to be a servant leader, people are going to make mistakes under you. And you got to understand that. If my team does what it's supposed to do and we do great things, I walk to my boss and I say, hey, boss, look what my guys and gals did. And oh, by the way, John and Jane, they did a great job. If we didn't do what we were supposed to do, then I go to my boss and I say, hey, boss, I messed up. And here's how we're going to fix it. And that's what I tell my people. If if you mess up, I don't care if you made a mistake. We're all going to make a mistake. I had a boss one time said, Oak, if you didn't make a mistake today, you probably didn't do anything. Exactly. Yeah. So so what he, what he cared about and what I care about is what do you do after you made that mistake? Yep. Do you try to hide it? Do you try to sweep it under the rug? Do you blame somebody else? Or do you walk up to me and say, hey, boss, I messed up. Here's how I'm going to fix it. And if you're going to blow your top at me when I come up to tell you I made a mistake, guess what? Yeah, you're not ever going to do anything for me again. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely I agree. I agree with that. So I think that's the number one reason why people uh, go down that road of micromanaging and being that authoritarian leader. I really do. You know, yeah. And it's too bad because there are actually in life very few places that a mistake cannot be fixed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even in the military where mistakes are deadly sometimes, you still, I mean, because again, you can do everything right and make all the right decisions and people might still die. So it, you know, mistakes are going to happen. We all know that, but you know, you move on from those things. You do the best you can do, but in most life, in most places in life, a mistake is okay. might cost you some money, might cost you a couple of days worth of work, whatever, but it isn't going to, it isn't anything you can't recover from. Right. Right. And yet we, so often that fear makes us feel like it's going to be the end of the world. So we That's don't right. let go. We yeah. don't let somebody else. And then what happens is things keep getting smaller because your people are not going outside of any, whatever they perceive their boundaries as. That's right. They're, they're playing it very safe. They don't want to get in trouble. That's right. And they're not, they're not even going to bring up any suggestions because mm. mo most micromanagers don't care, don't want to hear your suggestion. And, you know, and that's exact opposite of what a servant leader does. A servant leader throws out there, Hey, this is what we got to do. Give me some ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's how I, I, I tend to, when I have time, and most of the time you do, I throw it out there and say, hey, guys, gals, this is what we got to do. Give me some ideas. And you know what I found is that two things I found. Number one, sometimes the best person in your organization that you thought would give you the best ideas didn't. It was the guy you thought you would never get a good idea from gives you a great idea. And the second thing I found is that if I generally, when I do that, is that I'll take a little bit from this person and a little bit of idea from that person and mix it with some of my ideas 
and we'll come up with a solution. And when you do that, you've done two things. Number one, you've built that team because now they feel like they're a valued member of your team. Even if you didn't use their idea, they at least got to tell you what their idea was. You listen to it and that makes them feel valuable and a member of the team. And number two, now it isn't Colonel McCullough's idea to fix this. It's our idea to fix this. Now they got skin in the game. Now they're willing to go that extra mile to make it work because they can't help you come up with that solution. So that, again, you, you're growing, you're, you're making the, your organization bigger and getting more ideas because I don't care how long you've been doing something. I don't care how good you are at it. There's always somebody who can have, throw out a good idea And if you're only using your idea, then you're only using your experience and your knowledge to make decisions. And you don't have all the knowledge and you don't have all the experience. I don't care how good you are as a leader. Right. Because you haven't had somebody else's experience that may be the exact perfect experience that gives them the idea that moves you forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my my father's best friend, I, I always use this example, my father's best friend when I was growing up. He worked at Chrysler Motor Company in a town about 13 miles away at the assembly plant. He worked there for 36 years. For 36 years, his job was to put fenders on whatever vehicle that that assembly plant was making. Well, if you were having problems with fenders on a vehicle, who would you go talk to? I hope you'd go talk to that man who's been doing it for 36 years. He probably knew there was a problem, probably told somebody and somebody told him, go away, go put the fenders on the vehicle. Didn't pay any attention to him. Because he was he he didn't he was one of those guys who had his blinders on. I know more than you do. You got to use everybody in your organization, everybody. Uh, and that doesn't like I said that doesn't mean you use their ideas every single time. No. But you at least got to listen to them. And because you'll never know when one of them is going to come up with a great idea. Exactly. And what else? What else is there? There's you know there's there's something about servant leadership, vision leadership, any of that that really, you know, it creates buy-in, as you said, you know, they have ownership and all of us, when we feel a sense of ownership and responsibility, we want it to be the best. That's right. You got skin in the game. Mm -hmm. I I mean, and that's really what it is. And, uh, you know, I think it was Phil Jackson, who was the coach of the, of the Chicago Bulls said, you know, when you build that trust in that organization, and that's what we're talking about is trust. Yep. Then people are, are start to move away from the I to the we. And that's the key. When you can get people to start thinking about the organization more than they think of themselves, then you, you've built an organization that is truly going to be effective and efficient. Um, now, that's tough. I got it. And, and sometimes you don't always get to pick the members of your team, um, especially in the military. We didn't always get to pick the members of our team. But what I tell people is this. If you are that leader who doesn't get to pick your leader, the other leaders in your team and the members of your team, then it's up to you to train those people mm-hmm. and you got to train them to be, to have that mindset. And, the, and you're not going to get them there unless you are there, unless you exhibit those qualities. If you do that every day, if you exhibit those, set that example, then they will, you can start, get, start to get them to move in that direction that you want them in. Um, and that really is the key is you, you got to build that organization. The culture of an organization is so important to its, its success or failure, one of the right. two. Right. And and what you said earlier about teaching and modeling. Right. You know, modeling the behaviors, asking for support, you know, asking for ideas, 
sharing what it is you're trying to that you're out to to create you know sharing the vision of the organization because that's another thing that's critical is if you as the leader don't have a clear vision of what it is that you're out to create. You can go any place and you'll get there because you aren't getting, you don't know where you're going. Yeah, absolutely. And I just had this discussion with, uh, with somebody the other day. And I said, look, you know, when you take over an organization as a leader, your number one job is vision. Where do you want this organization to be a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Even if you're not going to be there, you still got to think out that far. Yeah. And, I, and the way you do that, you can't even start that until you figure out where you are. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out where you are, get that benchmark, and then start figuring out where you want to be. That's the vision. The second part of that is then you got to communicate that to the people who work for you, your organization. Because if you think you as the leader is going to get it from where you are today to where you want it 10 years from now, yourself, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> the people who work for you in the organization are going to get there. And if they don't know where, where it is you want, the how and the, the what, and just as importantly today, the why, you know, when you and I were young young workers in the workforce, I never asked why. That, 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 that word wasn't even in my vocabulary. To these young men and women today want to know why, and there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. It took me a few, took me a while for this old man to get used to people asking me why. Mm-hmm. But but I understand now and I, and, I, and I understand that if you can tell them the why, now you're starting to motivate them to what, what it is that they got to do. But you got to be able to tell them that. You got to be able to tell them the who, the what, the when, and the why of where you want to go. And if you can't do that, and I always tell people when I go talk to organizations, because every once in a while, somebody will say, oh, you know, we're having, we're struggling a little bit. Can you come spend a day or two with us? I'm happy to do that and, and figure out what's going on. I go around and I ask people, the lowest people in the organization, I say, what's the vision? And what, what part of that do you play in? What's your part of that vision? And if they can't answer that question, you got problems. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, and I agree when, when we were growing up and entering the workforce, we didn't ask why. And yet when you know why it's so much more motivating it is to do the job. Absolutely. It is. And, and it's not, it's not a, I, I don't want to do this. It's a, I want to know why this is important. Yeah. And that's, that is this generation. The ones that are coming up right now, yeah. you know, and I deal with them every day recruiting for Army ROTC and, and the why is so important. Um, and, and again, there, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I understand that. Um, and and I, I, I kind of wonder why you and I didn't ask why when we were young, young kids coming up through all this. But it was just a different culture. That wasn't even wasn't even they didn't even think about that. Um, this one does, and that's okay. And and that is part of the motivating, you know. And and I always tell people that part of your job as a leader is to motivate the people in your organization, and and you got to figure out how to do that. It and it's different in every organization, um, you know. And it's not reward and punishment. That's how we train dogs. That's not how we how right. we motivate people. Um, so what I always tell people is you got to find out what makes your organization unique. And that generally is what will motivate people because that's generally why they came to your organization in the first place. In the army, it was really simple. Whenever I got a mission, I'd say, Hey, we support and defend the constitution of the United States. We defend the American way of life. Let's go motivate it. When I took over as the associate director of the food bank, that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, so you got, you got to figure out every organization is a little bit different and and even as you get new people that that 
bar may move a little bit of what, what motivates people. Yeah, I got it. There are some people who are motivated simply for the paycheck. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as they're doing their job and doing the things they're supposed to do. That's not an issue. Um, but there are some people who the paycheck, paycheck isn't what, what they're there for. I mean, they got to have it. Obviously, we got to have money to live. But that's not why they come to work every day. And you got to figure out what it is that, that makes them come to work every day. And there's benefits to doing that. Uh, absolutely. Because again, now they're, they're part of the team. Yep. And again, that's the culture. People who don't want to spend the time, the effort, the resources, and, and it does. It's not easy. I, I told somebody the other day, I said, I, I mistakenly said, culture doesn't just happen. And I said, oh, well, wait a minute. It does. <laughs> not the culture you want. Culture right. will just happen, but it won't be the one that you want. If you want the culture that you want, you're going to have to invest time, money, resources, people, training to get that culture. And yep. then, oh, by the way, once you get it where you want it, it doesn't just stay there. Nope. You got to continue to re-educate and to keep the training going and all those things because as people leave, new people are coming in. So, you, you know, but it is so important. The culture of your organization is so important. And people who don't understand that are just so short-sighted. They really are. Well, because if you, if you don't have a defined culture, then as you said, you have a default culture because That's it's right. what people create. People have conflicting thoughts and ideas. That's right. They do. And, and they will do what you let them do. So yes. uh, if, if you don't have the culture, if you don't set the example, if you don't have standards that you force people to meet, then they will do what you let them do. I always tell people, look, they're just like people who work for you, like your kids. They will do what you let them do. If you let them do bad things, they're going to do bad things. If you hold them to a standard, they will meet the standard 99.9% .9 of the time. They want to. Yeah. People don't go to work. Most people don't go to work and say, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm going to just goof off. Most people don't do that. No. So if you hold them to a standard, they'll meet it. And 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 they know what they're supposed to be doing. You know, what what is it that they're out to accomplish? And the thing, the other thing that's so so such a benefit about this is this a culture, and this becomes a culture in and of itself, also a culture of servant leadership, um, you know, visionary leadership, leadership, empowering leadership right. allows for expanded capacity because you as the leader don't need to micromanage. You don't need to be checking on people. You can give them a direction and say, go forth. And that group can then go forth, which means now you can look at another group and say, go forth and do this. Right. Whereas if you are micromanaging, you're over at the first group and you can't even- You don't know what the other group Group's doing, doing, much and, less telling them what they need to do. Yeah, and then so, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, which is why then things start falling apart. Exactly, and you know, and I always tell people, tell leaders when I talk to leaders, I say, look, there are things that only leaders can do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would we need a leader? Right. There are things that only you, as the leader, can do. So if you're spending your time doing things that other people are, you're paying other people to do, that you're expecting other people to do, that you have trained other people to do and you're spending your time doing that, you're not doing the things I need you to do as a leader, yeah. which is the vision, the directing, the big picture of it, not the day-to-day -day stuff, because that's not where I need the leader. That's yeah. why we have junior leaders, and that's why we have worker bees to do the day-to-day -day stuff. The leader needs to have that vision about what's going on. And that just goes back to the, the thing, managing change, because we all, everything changes. Yeah. Um, and if, if you don't believe so, then you, you live in a fantasy land because that is the world has changed. 
Uh, we were talking about that a little bit before the show, um, that change happens. So if you, the leader, aren't focusing on the big picture, then you're going to be managing change. And if you're managing change, you're already behind the power curve. You ought to be looking at the big picture and direct, deciding, figuring out what changes are coming down the road. What things do I, am I going to have to change to meet this next challenge, this next um, uh, obstacle that we're going to run into? And then you can direct the change so that you are figuring out what the change is going to be. It isn't going to be forced on you. And that's the way that you keep your organization at the forefront of whatever that profession is. I don't care what profession it is. If you're the one man directing the change, not managing the change, then you'll be in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know you're, I know you're army. So, and this is a Navy example, but it's so, it's so great. Because <laughs> you look, you take a look at a ship, which is yeah. very self-contained and, You've got the captain of the ship. The captain of the ship is not steering the ship and, and looking at the, the radar and doing all of that. They have, there are people that that's their job and they provide that information because if the captain was trying to do all of that, the ship would get no place. That's right. The ship would run aground probably. Yeah. So the, the captain needs to see, have that big picture of where are we going? Absolutely. I, 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 that, is, that is a great analogy. I'm, I may have to use that. Even though I'm an army guy, I may have to use that. <laughs> I, I know. I was thinking about that for a minute. And, and it wasn't quite the same. I mean, it wasn't quite as easy to visualize as a whole group of troops on the ground, yeah. but that's the same thing. It is with your, um, you know, if if you're the the company leader of like a thousand troops, that's you right. can't be out there. You as the leader have to have the big picture. That's right, and you that's have right. to trust the people that are coming and reporting to you. Well, and I think the part of that is the training that you do with the people that 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 uh, that you either picked or that have been assigned to you, and it doesn't matter. You still right. got to train people and and so you, you got to train people in the right way you got to train them to 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 do the same thing that you're doing to trust people mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and junior leaders need to understand this just as, as much as big as high level leaders because at the junior level leader that's where it really that, that's, that's where, where it everything starts. gets done that's right that's where it gets done yeah and so if they're if and 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 that's also that we're training the future leaders of the big picture um because we got to get better at training people to be the, the leaders for the right reasons out here. And the right reason isn't for the title that you're going to get or the more money you're going to make. And those things happen and okay, good. But that's if that's why you want to be the leader, because you want a nice title and you want more money, go do something else. It's you're not probably easier way. <laughs> that's right. And that's and you're not going to be a good leader. So um so we got to get back to, to teaching and training young leaders to to understand that it isn't about them. And yet it's all about them. You know, and then second chapter of my book is it's titled, it's not about you. It's all about you because um, it's not about you and the privileges and the title you're going to get, but it's all about you and how you treat the people and the organization that you're going to be in charge of. Right. And the other things are a result of that, not the goal of it. That's right. Absolutely. I, I absolutely. You're 100% right. And, and, and that's the other piece of it. We got to get back to where we believe that results matter um, in this country. And I think that, you know, you can be 
the greatest leader in the world, do all the right things. But if you don't get results, doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in, in, in the fantasy land where everybody gets a trophy and everybody wins and we don't keep score, I guess that's okay. But in the real world here where people where we do keep score and everybody isn't a winner and not everybody does get the trophy, winning matters. And especially in the business, because now we're talking about money. We're talking about being able to keep that business afloat and taking care of the people who work for you and doing all those things. So we got to get back to where we realize that results do matter. And, and we got, we got to want to win the, the, one of my favorite. I'm just going to, I'm just going to interject in there. The winning is really about winning with ourselves. I would agree. agree. And and the organization, you know, and the organ and the organization winning, and it's not so much winning against someone else. I, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. How, however, having said that, you do have to make money. In a, yeah, in a abso- ab- absolutely. <laughs> We're not, I'm not advocating anybody yeah. being a charity. Yeah. And the amount of, you know, the making money and those things, of, again, those are results. That will happen. A successful organization. That's right. That will happen. Long term. That's right. Too. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%, Jane. That's, that's absolutely right. It goes back to if you take care of the people and you're doing the right things for the organization, it's going to be successful. And and the people will do whatever it has to do to be successful for you. If they, if they, if they truly believe that you have, that they are part of your organization and they're valuable, they will do what they have to do. Well, if you can believe it, our time is just about up. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how fast that time goes when you're talking about things, you know, because this really is my passion at this point in my life. You know, I, I, I want to get out and talk to as many young men and women and leaders, but certainly young men and women, aspiring young men and women who want to be leaders. Um, I want to talk to as many of them as I can, because I think that uh, we we got to do a better job of training them and teaching them the right thing. Those emerging, um, young emerging leaders that, because they're watching. Absolutely, they are. And and we're either going to teach them the right way or we're going to teach them the wrong way. Yeah. And if they think that they can take shortcuts, they're going to. Yeah, Because they're watching and they're seeing. So so spending the time as, as senior leaders, spending the time with emerging leaders and hoarding them. Because, you know, our culture also has as a as a a piece of our culture that's very unspoken is that you are a sense of your value to an organization to yourself is if you're worth investing in so. Absolutely. When organizations invest in training. It shows that that you're important to them. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So by doing that, investing and people, you know, there's a, an old adage, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Yep. Absolutely. I agree with that. And we've absolutely. got, as, as we talked about early, we've got this great resignation of resignation and it's people not feeling that they've been invested, that they're important to an organization. They're not getting the training. That's right. Their voice Voices aren't being heard. In fact, they're not only not not being heard, they're being stifled. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And we've got all the tools and all the skills to turn that around. We absolutely do. Absolutely. So, so thank you, Oak. This has been a fabulous conversation. Oh, absolutely, Jane. Thank you for having me on the show again and uh, and loved it. And if, if you ever want me back some other time, I'm happy to do it. Great. Thank you. We will do that. Thank you for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. I encourage you to take something that you heard today and apply it in your business. The key to progress is action and sharing. I'd love to hear what you accomplish. 
email me at jlovis at lovisconsulting.com and let me know. Speaking of applying it in your business, if you're struggling or looking to expand your leadership skills, let's talk. You can go to lovisconsulting.com. That's L-O-V as in Victor, A-S, consulting.com and schedule a quick call with me. We need powerful, strong, compassionate leaders to solve the challenges we are facing today. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and share with your friends and family. Thank you for supporting us as we cause and expand 1 million women leaders in tech by 2030. Have a great week. And I look forward to seeing you next week.